Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's 9.30 in 716. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. Outside, a few clouds, 30 degrees, but we're getting ready for uh, much worse, I guess. Right. It's uh, only a day or so away. Jason Allenbaugh at the National Weather Service joining us right now on WBEN. Uh, Jason, help us get ready for what's coming potentially tomorrow night. Yeah, I think key watchword right now is just to stay tuned because <laughs> there's um, there's still a lot of uncertainty with this. Unfortunately, even though, as you mentioned, it's going to be coming in tomorrow, later tomorrow and into tomorrow night, we're expecting a swath of heavier snow to kind of start to arrive from the south. That would be late tomorrow afternoon, so late Wednesday afternoon. Um, that will continue into the evening hours, and then it will quickly switch to a mixed precipitation event with sleet, freezing rain, and then maybe eventually just plain rain, depending on where you're at over western New York as we get later into Wednesday night. Um, but there could be some freezing rain that would hang on even into Thursday in parts of the area, especially up kind of from Buffalo to the north. So still a lot of uncertainty. That yeah, There's a lot of precipitation types we're dealing with here, and it could just lead to a really messy mix for, um, for traveling. Messy mix, um, that sounds a lot better than the two words I've kind of heard over the past few days. You know, you can tell me three feet of snow, I won't bat an eye. When you start to say ice storm, that's when I start to get pretty nervous. I mean, is it still too early to say that for sure? Yeah, I think there's a potential for significant ice. It's just where will that set up? Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty, and I really hate to keep saying that, but there really is as far as how, how not only the temperatures at the surface, but also just aloft, too, as well. With that drives of whether we're going to see freezing rain or just rain and then snow as well, at least initially. That looks like a pretty good bet, but it's going to change over to that mix. And will it stay freezing rain? Will it go to more sleet? And sleet isn't as is, is, uh, impactful in terms of, like, um, power outages, things like that, but it's really difficult to drive and to shovel and things like that. So there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of different pre- precipitation types we're dealing with here. Yeah, just to get people kind of prepared for what possibly could be coming, what is the what damage could a half inch of ice do around here? Well, it, it, I mean, it looks like the, the, if we have the freezing rain and it's more significant, that that could definitely lead to you know, tree limbs and power outages and that kind of situation. If it's more the heavier snow and the sleet, then that would just be a real you know, difficult for traveling and things like that around. So um, eventually this whole messy mix kind of changes to rain from south to north. Um, the, the southern tier will be first to see the rain even later Wednesday night. And then definitely most areas on Thursday will get into the rain, even like Metro Buffalo, the way it looks right now. But somewhere north of here, it might just try to stay freezing rain because there's kind of a colder kind of like northeast wind that kind of comes off Lake Ontario up there. So 
it that that's where's that transition zone? That's going to be the thing we're going to kind of keep keep kind of pinning down here in the next couple of days. Okay, um, you keep mentioning you know uncertainty right now. When do things look maybe a little bit more certain? Uh, how close uh, do we have to get? I think we might have to get into tomorrow, and in, in terms of you know like was as unfortunately that's kind of right when it's on our on our doorstep. But um, I would say right now we, we, we're more certain kind of about the heavier snow east of Lake Ontario, so that's why there's winter storm watches up there now. Um, everywhere else, at this point, it looks like we're kind of trending toward an advisory event, but um, there's definitely still a window there that there could be a, a, a warning issued. So people just, again, that's the watch words or the watch phrase, stay tuned. And Jason, how long of a duration would this be just for the day on Thursday, Wednesday night into Thursday, or would it be longer than that? Right, Wednesday night into Thursday. The heaviest precipitation looks like it would be late Wednesday afternoon into Wednesday night and then start to taper off on by around Thursday morning. Um, so the precipitation that's around on Thursday, even though it's changing to rain or it might stay freezing rain, it does look like it'll be lighter. Then a stronger cold front comes through on Thursday night. Um, whatever mixed precipitation or rain is around at that point will change back to snow. And Friday looks a lot like last Friday where we'll have light snow or maybe some moderate snow for the higher terrain areas and it'll be definitely colder. People will notice that. So some areas in the southern tier tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening will be into the 50s and even near 60. Um, but by Friday morning, everybody's going to be in the teens and low 20s. All right. Hey, Jason, you've been a big help and I'm sure we'll be checking back in soon. Uh, Jason Alaba, meteorologist with the National Weather Service, as we uh, watch out for some ice coming our way tomorrow evening evening potentially a lot of uncertainty but we're keeping you up to date right here as that storm approaches a lot of eyes will be on the power grid something that has been an intense focus in albany where lawmakers continue to go back and forth over the state's plan to do away with natural gas Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson. It's setting up to be one of the more highly debated proposals between state legislators in Albany as discussions continue to mount with regards to the future proposal of banning natural gas across New York. The purpose of the proposal is an attempt to help make New York an environmentally greener state while also relying less on the need for fossil fuels. The proposed bill was crafted with support from Democrats in Albany, but the Republicans in the legislature have attempted to push back hard on the proposal. I think there's been an entire misinformation campaign pain from the other side and the facts have been maligned. No one's banning gas stoves. No one is taking anybody's gas stoves away and anything to speak to that is just unfactual and untrue. That was State Senator Tim Kennedy. On the other side of the table though, senators like George Borrello don't see how their counter arguments regarding the issue are considered as misinformation or exaggerated. The bottom line is without any real analysis, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are going to eliminate natural gas in New York State. They make absolutely you know, no bones about that. The question is the timing. They've adjusted the timing slightly, but right now, if you're, for example, in economic development and you're trying to attract a new manufacturer to New York State, that manufacturer is essentially not going to be able to build a new building using natural gas starting in 2025. This has just been poorly thought out. It is a horrible idea, and in the end, it's going to have zero impact on climate change. More debate on the proposed natural gas ban in New York State is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. All right, Brayton, thank you. The Buffalo News is planning to close its downtown Buffalo production and printing facility and shift that operation to Cleveland. The news says the printing of the paper will shift to the Plain Dealer operation in Cleveland, impacting 160 employees in Buffalo associated with the printing and delivery of the paper. They say there will be no impact to the content or home delivery of the paper. Two printing presses installed in the Scott Street building 
by the paper's previous owner in 2004 will be decommissioned. In Niagara Falls, police say a 16-year-old boy is dead after being shot last night. Police responded to Jordan Gardens for a report of shots fired around 8.30 last night. They say they found the teenager suffering from a gunshot wound. He was taken to Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center where he later died. Niagara Falls police are asking anyone with information to contact detectives. For the second time, a top EPA official will be in East Palestine, Ohio, responding to that toxic train derailment. M. Wynn with more. The train company Norfolk Southern is now handing out money to those affected. People living in certain zip codes could get a $1,000 check for derailment-related expenses. It comes with Norfolk Southern's finances now in the spotlight. The company posting an operating income of $4.8 billion last year. And it reportedly paid shareholders $18 billion in stock buybacks and dividends in the last five years, all while reducing its workforce. We'll have much more on this and win there with the latest. If convicted, Alec Baldwin is facing a shorter possible prison sentence for that movie set shooting. Alec Baldwin and Rust Armor Hannah Gutierrez-Reed now facing 18 months in prison. The special weapons enhancement that would have added an extra five years has been dropped. This over the deadly onset shooting in New Mexico over a year ago. Baldwin's lawyers had pushed to have the enhancement drop, saying it didn't apply because the law that put it in place went into effect in May 2022, seven months after the shooting. In dropping the enhancement, the Santa Fe, New Mexico district attorney said in a statement that the prosecution's priority is securing justice, not securing billable hours for big city attorneys. Baldwin is scheduled to make his first court appearance Friday. Jason Athenson, ABC News. Hollywood. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly cloudy, a little windy today with some scattered rain and snow showers. Temperatures in the low 40s. For tonight, mostly cloudy skies, lows in the upper 20s. A few flakes arrive by Wednesday morning. Snow really fills in as the day moves along on Wednesday. That snow will mix with some sleet and freezing rain Wednesday night and continue into Thursday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Joining us on the line is Mayor in Niagara Falls here in New York, Robert Restaino. We're talking about the relationship between the U.S. and Canada. And uh, in particular, what has happened over the past few years, especially with now the passing of a new law north of the border? Uh, Mayor Restaino, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, This new law passed by uh, the Canadian government, uh, essentially banning some foreign buyers from buying residential properties as investments for the next two years. It might have some tax impact on people who own property north of the border uh, here already. It's kind of highlighting what has been, I think, a strange period in time for this relationship between the U.S. and Canada. Once you know, seen as really close neighbors after the pandemic, some people wondering if that's still the case. What do you think about the current state of that relationship? Well, good morning to you both. Um, you know, I think you're I think you're on to um, a real concern. Um, certainly, one of the things that I think is important to remember is that there are family relationships that uh, span both sides of the river. And these kinds of stresses and strains, it was difficult enough during the pandemic because there were certain public health um, concerns that needed to be addressed. But these kinds of actions really, um, I think they go overboard in protecting and protectionism. Um, certainly, um, you know, I know there are many, many families, uh, both sides of the border, many that own, uh, from Canada that own um, summer places in our southern tier. 
um, as well as many Americans that own um, summer places, you know, along the lake. So I think this this really puts a stress, a uh, strain on that what was otherwise a peaceful, enjoyable um, relationship. I don't know what sense it makes. Um, I suspect that somewhere along the line, some lawmakers thought that this was the right move to make, but I think it was ill-conceived. You know, in addition to the new property rules, what about the fact that the U.S. still has a vaccine requirement at the border for Canadians to coming into the U.S.? How much of an impediment is that right now? Yeah, you know, you're right. And I have to tell you that throughout this entire time, throughout this entire time, myself, other border mayors, as well as some of our, our uh, federal officials, um, you know, we were just sort of asking how hard is it for Washington and Ottawa to get on the same page? We watched as there were fits and starts on both sides. One side would remove something and the other side would, would ramp up and then vice versa. So it's really been a very difficult um, it's been difficult for those of us who uh, are really on the front line here trying to manage, um, you know, the economy that we have that's dependent upon that, that uh, border traffic, as well as understanding what's the logic behind this disconnect. Um, so I think it still presents um, some difficulty for some travelers. And again, you know, I'll say what I've been saying along with others for so long. I don't know why we just can't get all on the same page. I, it's maybe just a, another step um, something like what's happened over the last 20 years, when you talk about the border and how it's changed, you know, post 9-11, all the new rules when it comes to a, a passport or enhanced license or something like that uh, to cross the border. And now for people heading into the U.S. from Canada, it's this vaccine requirement, you know, just this extra step that makes it feel less like part of the same community. That feeling, how important is it to the city of Niagara Falls when it comes to, you know, the cross-border tourism and what you do in Niagara Falls? I think it's critically important. You know, I don't think anybody um, could argue with enhanced security measures post 9-11. I think everybody really recognized that, you know, the world we were in um, from that day forward had changed. This public health piece, though, you know, we're all sharing the same science, right? It's not like the science is different across the border. So if we're all sharing the same science and we're on, again, getting on the same page, those, those bumps in the road should be eliminated. I mean, we really should be sort of in step with one another on those issues. But it certainly has, the world certainly has changed. You know, the world of my, um, you know, my childhood, we used to walk across that border like it was just walking to another neighborhood. That's gone. Um, but, you know, again, I think we all recognize that some changes, you know, I suppose were necessary. But these added um, layers really, really create difficulty, again, for those of us um, that have not only economic reasons for wanting there to be free uh, passage, but also, again, personal reasons. You know, there's families, uh, I can speak of my own, during this entire period, we've missed weddings and, and, and other family events uh, in Canada that we otherwise would have been able to attend. So I think it really imposes um, an economic, but also a personal burden uh, for so many. You know, Mayor, how much do you worry when it comes to the Niagara Falls economy about people, especially Canadians, who used to cross regularly, but they haven't since covid and now they really don't have a desire to. You know, we, we are very concerned about that. I have to tell you that our, um, 
you know, our tourism agency has shifted its focus uh, so that we could um, sort of react to that uh, by really taking a closer look at some of our uh, neighbors in the Great Lakes area, mid-Atlantic uh, region. Um, but, you know, there's really something to be said for our community having that really uh, free exchange between here and our neighbors in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And so it's concerning because I know how many of my friends who live in Canada used to enjoy uh, going back and forth rather freely. Um, now it's now you're almost you're scheduling your trip. You're, you're, you have to get all of your documents in order. You have to make sure you check these boxes. So it really has become more cumbersome, and it does impact us, um, again, financially as well as personally. Becomes a trip, right? You know, something that you have to think about. Um, what is, you know, for to Susan's point, you know, so many things um, you know, after 2020 that you, you almost forget about. You know, there's something you like doing, and then you don't do it for a while. It just kind of fades away. It's not like you're purposefully, um, you know, avoiding it or something like that. But you just forget. Um, you mentioned tourism kind of shifting focus. What are some of the things Niagara Falls can do to remind people, like, hey, come over to the U.S.? Yeah, you know, again, I think our our, uh, our tourism agency is, is working um, nonstop to try and once again reacquaint um, Canadians and uh, especially our neighbors right across the river with all of the conveniences that we do have here and, and, and sort of reintroduce them to all of those things. You know, one of the things that was always critical, if you were a regular traveler on both sides, things as simple as groceries were, were easy. I mean, you would look for the best um, uh, prices and you would find a constant stream back and forth. That's gone. Uh, we don't get that kind of traffic anymore. Uh, but from a tourism perspective, um, we continue to try and drive our restaurants and our lounges and our entertainment. Um, you know, we hope that it'll end up bouncing back. We think we've seen some um, some improvement, but we're a long way off from the pre-2020 days. Joining us now on WBEN, Niagara Falls, Ontario Mayor Jim Diodati, talking about the U.S.-Canada border and cross-border commerce. You know, Mayor, some of us remember when you could cross without even giving it a thought. You know, it seems those days are gone. Now, it's like planning a trip when you're going across the border. How is all of this affecting your city? Good morning, Susan. Uh, yeah, you know, I remember those days, my kids, you know, of course, I have to remind them that was during the days when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, when we crossed that border without even having an ID with us. And and you just went across. And after 9-11, of course, we needed passports. And then during COVID, it became even crazier with the Arrive Can app. And, and now I have to say, by and large, it's just your passport. But, but it's been frustrating because a lot of people create new habits and they start to do different things. So I was speaking with our federal and our provincial governments about the idea of doing a grand reopening of Canada to send a huge message to all of our American friends that we're open for business, we want their business. Uh, and I said, we can do a symbolic thing on, on maybe the Rainbow Bridge, roll out a red carpet. And you know, I said, do all the, the whole nine yards, relieve some doves and, and, and just let them know that we want them here and we're happy that they're able to come again because I know it's been tough. It's separated families, friends, regular shopping patterns, things that we love to do. And it's been difficult. Even for my own mom and dad, every Thursday, they'd always go over the river, as we say, and they'd go shopping and then they'd have dinner and then they'd come back to Canada. 
And that was disrupted for many years. So it's funny. They were there last week, and they're starting to come back. But it's creating new habits again with the old ones haven't been worn out because of COVID. Yeah, I don't know how warmly your idea of a grand reopening of Canada is going to go over after the government up north uh, has this new rule where there's a two-year ban on the purchase of property in Canada by anyone who's a non-resident and also a, a new tax on non-resident owners of Canadian property, a lot of people in uh, western New York, just uh, south of the border there. What do you think of these new rules by the Canadian government and how they might impact that relationship? Well, you know, Brian, I, I think it's a, a terrible idea. And they, they originally created that idea, and it was, a, it was a well-intentioned, but a lot of negative, unintentional outcomes and I'll, I'll tell you what's going on, and I'm assuming maybe there's a similar thing going on in your neck of the woods, but we're having a housing crisis and affordability uh, challenges here, and, and we've got massive amounts of new immigrants coming, and it's the old economic model of supply and demand. There's not enough supply, so prices are getting to the point that anybody new trying to get into the market can't afford a home, and, and they're trying to attack with small sides. Number one, build more houses, you know, number two, try to keep the interest rates lower, but they're high right now. And number three, there are foreign owners. And this was not, I can tell you, directed at U.S. It was directed at people that live abroad who will live in their house only for a couple of weeks out of the year. And they're trying to encourage those houses to be put back into circulation to help with the inventory. But the unintended negative outcome is these people, like in western New York, for several generations who've owned places along Lake Erie on the Canadian shores. In fact, I believe the number is still around 40% U.S. owned. So that kind of stuff is the negative uh, unintended outcomes that we do not like to see. And I can tell you, I know Congressman Higgins has had a lot to say about it, and we're generally aligned in our thinking and our beliefs, and I'm happy to go lockstep with him to Ottawa to try to change the, the thinking and point out to them what's happening right now on the ground. You know, these two countries used to be in sync. But I, do you think we'll ever be on the same page again? You know, I do. And and I'll tell you the way I see it, Susan, is, you know, we're, we're like a family. And like any family, you'll have your issues, your, your squabbles, your disagreements. But at the end of the day, you're still family. And at the end of the day, you're always going to look out for each other. And we've got more than 200 years of peace. We've got the world's longest unmilitarized border. We're an example for the rest of the world, how you play nicely in the sandbox. And sometimes politics gets in the way, and that's the politicians. And being one right now, I can, I can say something like that. But the people, the people don't feel the same way as the politicians. We look at it. I mean, I've got family all through the U.S. My best friend and is living in western New York. Our, our families were just together a couple of weeks ago. And, and I can tell you, we don't feel that way. Just sometimes poor political decisions drive a wedge between our nations. You mentioned, you know, the idea of a grand reopening. I'm wondering what else you're kind of doing over on your side of the border to get that back in people's minds. I think it's not so much of people not wanting to go, but forgetting. You're falling out of habits, um, you know, after a couple of years of not being able to, and then, you know, uh, with a couple hoops to jump through after that. You might have just 
kind of forgot. We all do, right? If you haven't done something for a couple of years, you forget that it's even an option. What are some of the things you're doing on your side of the border to maybe just remind people, hey, we're here and we're open? Well, you know, it's funny. When we were kids, my, my brothers and my sister and I, we'd always play this game. You know, we try to track how many American license plates we could see from different states. And it was always a fun game we'd play because, you know, typically 50% of the revenue into Niagara Falls, Ontario comes from the U.S. And of course, during COVID, that was completely shut down. And imagine places like Niagara Falls that really count on tourism to feed our families and, and that being completely turned off for a few years. And I can tell you, myself and Congressman Higgins worked very, very hard to remove the r- ridiculous Arrive Can app that we've had at our border. And it really killed people's patterns and people started to do different things. And I knew this was going to be concerned and I knew it would take years for it to come back. So part of the idea of a grand reopening of Canada that I pitched to our provincial and federal tourism ministers, I said, you know, we get the premier here, we get the prime minister here, we cut the ribbon, roll out the red carpet, and we back it up with a big ad campaign that we can send to, especially along the borders, to to our American friends that we're open again, that we want their business, that we welcome. We're talking about having special U.S. pricing or incentives or any kind of things that we could do just to draw attention to the fact that we miss having all of our guests here. We want them to come back. They're coming back. It's it's a trickle back. And, And I'll tell you the other thing, reminding them, their dollar goes so much farther in Canada. When you come here, it's like we just gave you a bunch more money in your pocket so you can do so much more. So a big marketing campaign blitz to promote the fact that we're open again, that we're welcoming our friends back again, and that we're hoping you're going to take us up on some of the old habits that you used to have. You know, how many people do you think are not crossing simply because they're confused? They really don't know what's required at the border. You know, that's a really great point, Susan. And I think that's, especially when you haven't done it in a few years, now all of a sudden you're a little bit hesitant because you're wondering what they really require, what they really need. And maybe people just need to be reminded that all you need to have now is your passport. That's all you need to have to get across into Canada. You don't have to show any proof of vaccination status. Uh, You don't have to have the ArriveCan app information there's nothing more you need just the way it used to be back before 2019 your passport and and that's the message we're trying to get out to people you don't need anything else just bring your family bring your passport and come and have a good time that's 9 30 in 716 we're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of wben buffalo all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.